comparing is instinctual. We're all going to do it. But at least try and put your blinders on and be like, okay, you know what? I know what that person did. I'm going to compare for a second, but I'm just going to put the blinders back on and focus on me and my work and doing what I need to do to make it work. Emily Abadi here bringing you episode 128 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about everything from their big wins to how they've gotten through some of life's toughest moments. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am chatting with Olivia Perez. She's the creator and host of the Friend of a Friend podcast and entrepreneur and Forbes contributor. She also just blows me away. At 26, Olivia has done a lot and she's taken on a lot of responsibility. And what I love about this episode as a fellow female entrepreneur is that she lays it down really real. Olivia gets honest about what it was like for her to land her first internship at Teen Vogue before even arriving here in New York to go to college at NYU. She talks to me about building a business at the time, friend of a friend being a lifestyle blog and contributor network from the ground up while full time in college and what that was like. And then we get into the nitty gritty of all that, of what it's been like to quote unquote, be big on Instagram, to show up authentically as herself, to put her, as she says, blinders on, follow her own path and stop falling into the ever popular comparison trap. You know, I pride myself on having a lot of different opinions and individuals here on the show. And this conversation in particular for me was just really rejuvenating because it felt like I was dishing it out with a friend. We were commiserating over some of the same challenges and woes. And I think her perspective is going to be really refreshing for all of you as well. Before we get into today's episode, a quick shout out to my sponsor, Athletic Greens. I'll be real, the holiday weekend had a little bit of indulgence involved for me. And no matter what is going on in my life, I always go back to the cornerstone, which is my Athletic Greens morning routine. For me, when I shake up the greens powder, the daily drink, it's like nutritional insurance for my body that is delivered straight to my door. It's got so much goodness in there, so much. It's packed with adaptogens for recovery, probiotics and digestive enzymes for gut health, and vitamin C and zinc citrate for immune support. It's literally like my drinkable wellness squad. And it's so easy. It's an all-in-one solution to help your body meet its nutritional needs. Plus, because it is a powder, it is highly absorbable and it's also diet friendly. Whether you are eating keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it's good for all and it has less than one gram of sugar per serving and tastes great. Whether you are looking to boost your energy levels, support your immune system, or address gut health, now is the perfect time to try Athletic Greens for yourself. Head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to claim my special offer today. Receive a free D3 K2 wellness bundle with your first purchase. Again, that's a one-year supply of vitamin D with your Athletic Greens purchase today. Head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to get yours. As always, if you like what you are listening to, please make sure to head on in to the iTunes store, rate and review the show. If you have yet to join the secret, I put quotes around that. You just can't see me doing it. Uh, Hurdlers, a Facebook group. The link to do that is in the show notes too. And also keep up with me on social media. It's at Hurdle Podcast, at Emily Abadi. And if you have a hurdle moment of your own and you just want to say hi, I'm only an email away. It's emily at hurdle.us. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Olivia Perez. She's an entrepreneur, host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. She's a Forbes contributor, 
co-founder of System of Service. So many things we'll get into on today's episode. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am so excited to be on. Thank you for having me. I have to dive into this before we get into the episode today because you recently went to one of my absolute favorite places on the face of the planet. Which was? Dunton. Oh my God, what a place. What a place. So Dunton, Colorado. I also went to the Hot Springs. It was, it's phenomenal. I feel so lucky to have been able to go there, especially um, just in the midst of everything going on. It was a kind of like, you know, spontaneous decision to go on a road trip about like a couple of weeks before. But I just feel so grateful to have been able to be there and be in nature like that and just be able to experience it. Um, I think being able to like go and do something like that right now is a privilege. So I'm, I'm super grateful. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. And so just so we get the record straight, you are currently in Los Angeles, but also have a place here in New York. Oh my God, guys. It hearts, breaks my heart to answer this question. I'm sorry. I'm just being upfront It's okay. Here. I know. You have to be. And you know what? I kind of have to set my record straight too because I think people are really confused. So most people know in the midst of COVID, I left New York. Well, no, actually, I left New York before COVID. The last time I was in New York was for New York Fashion Week in February. And I left after that thinking, oh, I'm going to be back in a month. Um, my boyfriend lives in LA. My family lives in LA. So I'd come back to see everybody. Um, and I never got to go back. So I moved out of my place there um, about a month ago, just in the, just, you know, in the, in the spirit of one, but being financially friendly during this time, but also just not wanting to be excessive right now and, you know, wanting to be close to home and close to family and feel a little bit safer. Um, but I miss New York dearly. If someone asks me where I live, I still say I live in New York because I fully plan on coming back. But yeah, it's been a huge, huge shift for me in the past couple of months, for sure. So I'm in LA. Yeah. <laughs> where uh, where in LA are you? Um, I'm in WeHo. Uh, my family is like all kind of scattered around here. So um, it's actually, you know, I, I was in New York for nine years. So it's really, I'm grateful to be back and be surrounded by everybody again and, you know, be harassed by my parents every other minute to come over and say hi. So um, I really can't complain. I love that. I love that. Okay. So you mentioned a big family. How big is your family? Give me the lowdown. All right, guys, I have four sisters. I've got three older, one younger. All of us are from different parents besides my youngest sister. We are truly a Brady Bunch family. Um, my parents have been married a few different times, but I am I always admire the two of them because they brought us all together under one roof my entire childhood. So um, no matter the age gap or you know having to split time with different parents, we all came together often. And um, it's definitely a modern blended family, and I'm super grateful for it. I feel that. My parents yeah. are divorced as well, and uh, we all get along great. And we don't have – I only have one sibling. I have a brother that lives down in the Miami area. But it's always nice when we can come together for holidays and just, you know, it's like Emily runs a marathon and everyone's going to come in and hang out for it. And it's always I love time. that. Yeah, you know, that used to be me. I used to be the black swan that lived in New York. We don't have anybody <laughs> that, like, lives anywhere else. It was always me. So I feel like I kind of let everybody down in this. My sister last night called me and was like, you know – I really looked forward to visiting you in New York like every couple of months. Like, I'm going to miss that. And I literally hung up. I was like, no, you can't do this to me right now. I am not ready for you to tell me what I already know. Yes, yes, 100%. Okay, so then let's dial it back to the beginnings of you within your Brady Bunch family. So born and raised in Los Angeles, right? Yes, yes. Talk to me about how you knew that you wanted to slowly make your way to New York for college. So I had a pretty unconventional childhood. I was a dancer and I was extremely dedicated to it. I thought I was going to be a professional my whole life. I think I started when I was about four or five and I didn't stop until I was 18. Um, and it it really, I, I can't use the word disrupt, but it really dominated my complete childhood and adolescence in the sense that every day after school, I would go there and I would be in dance practice until eight, nine o'clock. And I would be doing my homework on the way home. I never really had like the normal teenage weekends of like going to the mall with friends because I was dancing and I was part of a team and we were in rehearsal on the weekends from eight to five. Um, so I was a fiercely independent child. I was very disciplined. I knew what it took to get what I wanted. And I think in thinking about that, I was also really like steadfast in my desire to like do something big and be independent. And I knew exactly what I wanted. 
I wasn't really a lot, like I wasn't really similar to a lot of my peers who wanted to go to college and figure it out and just kind of have fun. I knew I wanted to go to a city. I knew I wanted to go to a place where I had access to build my career and kind of build um, whatever it was that I wanted to and explore and meet new people. So I think that was always like very instinctual to me at a young age to just want to go out and and see and do more. What kind of dance are we talking about here? We're talking about ballet, like strict ballet. Yeah. Wow. So like the whole point shoes, everything? Whole nine yards. I used to have the ugliest feet, you guys. I look at my toes every day today now as an adult where I've like kind of grown out of them. And I'm like, you are a blessing that you look somewhat <laughs> I normal. Was ask, do you have any legacy damage? Um, I think honestly, and, and Joe makes fun of me all the time for this and like tries to get me to like understand what's going on. I'm pretty hyperextended. So like I'm pretty flexible. Um, and sometimes it causes me a lot of pain because I like I, I'm kind of like a Laffy Taffy where like I'm overstretched and like can't figure it out. Um, so it's kind of a running joke between us. Um, but that's about it. My toes, my toes bounced back. Thank God. <laughs> thank God. Liv just dropped a Joe reference. You guys have heard from Joe on the pod before. Joe Holder is a Nike master trainer. He's a wellness consultant and he's had a couple of stints on here, I think by now. And you guys also happen to be pretty good friends. Yeah, he's my best friend. He's also a co-host on my show. Um, He comes on once a month and it's always really funny and we tease each other and pick on each other. And yeah, it's great. (laughs) You definitely, definitely have to check it out. So when you were 18, did you have the thought process that, of course, you wanted to move to a major city and really get jumpstarted on your career? But did you think at any point that you wanted to continue with the dancing? I think at 18, I like was like, this is a there's a choice that has to be made here. It's like, uh, are you going to go professional or are you going to go to college and kind of go that route? And honestly, I, w- I was really honest with myself. I was like, do you think you're good enough to make it? And I've always been really intentional about the space that I take up. And I think I knew that I didn't like I loved it. I was so passionate about it. But I think that I, I, I learned through that experience at a really young age that sometimes you might love something, but you might not be good enough at it to take up the space and take the opportunity away from somebody else. So would you say to someone if they like based on that piece of advice, would you say to someone that there's a time, however, where you should home in on it more? Or would you say like own what's going on and know when to walk away? A hundred percent own what's going on and know when to walk away. Like I was 18 and dancers life is really short. A lot of dancers are are done with their career by their end, or early, no, late 30s, early 40s. So if even that. So, you know, I was 18. And at that point, like I, I, I had gone to a lot of dance uh, intensives around the country. Like I went to ABT's intensive for a month in Detroit. I was with the Joffrey in New York for three weeks. Um, I had like really seen what was out there and, and I knew I, I loved it, but I wasn't as good as my peers. And so I was just really realistic about my future. I also loved fashion and I loved journalism. I traveled a lot in college and went to different countries around the world for service opportunities. So I was in India and Tanzania working in different orphanages and rebuilding schools. I actually helped rebuild um, the ninth in New Orleans after the hurricane. So I was really passionate about like journalism from a global perspective and also had like a little bit of like love for fashion just in my early years. So I also like had another route that I was excited about. And in that, like with that knowledge, I just knew that it wasn't enough to take me all the way for dance and I I didn't want to take up the space. So I decided college it was. I got in early to NYU and I never looked back. Got in in November and was just ready to go. How was that transition moving from West Coast to East Coast for you? I mean, my goodness. It's so funny like being back here now where like I I hate LA and I miss New York with like every fiber of my being. Um, But I remember that first year in New York was really challenging and I wanted nothing but to come back here. I think if you're not from the East Coast and you're not used to the like transportation of it all and getting around like you know I'd been driving a car and I didn't even walk three blocks when I lived in LA um that change in lifestyle hits you hard especially when you're there on your own and just kind of like the sensory overload of it all and just getting to know it but I was really fortunate to get an internship a week before I even started school by chance um my first internship was at Teen Vogue And they, you know, they got me on the subway right away. They got me running errands up into all the different places I probably would have never learned if they hadn't. And that was a huge help in adjusting and learning a new city um, because I don't think I would have ever, you know, pushed myself to figure it out if it wasn't for the job. 
two things. First of all, do you think that it was something either from one of your parents or just like your influences when you were younger that made you this kind of go and get it kind of human? Or do you think that you were just born with this knack to be super independent? You know, it's so I love that you just asked that question because I asked that a lot on my show where I say like, do you think an entrepreneurial or like an independent spirit is born or you learn it? And I think it's a mix of both. I think it's like kind of a nature nurture uh, discussion. Um, but I think I think it had a lot to do with dance and being independent. Um, I think I'm a storyteller by nature because of it. I think I was you know trained to be on stage by myself and tell a story and captivate an audience and bring them into my world and like be okay with that weight and like carry that responsibility. And as kind of like far fetched that concept is, I think it's something that was like deeply ingrained into my bones in a young at a young age. Um, and I was okay with being on my own. I love that idea of uh, conveying a story and like being okay to take on that responsibility because that's a true, true responsibility. I mean, if we talk about it in relevance to life now, when you have so many people that are keeping up with you on social media and kind of digging into what's going on in your life, it's like you've taken on this legitimate responsibility to show up day in and day out and like be some sort of a public person. Yeah. And I think, I don't think there's anything that really prepares you for that. I think everybody, I think there are definitely people out there that like it, it's instinctual to them and they're so good at it. For me, it's something I've had to like learn and train myself to do a little bit more. But I do think that that side of dance definitely helped me out a little bit um, in terms of it just kind of showing up for myself and a lot of other people every day. How do you embrace, I'm just pivoting a little bit for a moment, how do you embrace being vulnerable kind of on that large scale when it comes to the social following? I mean, for me, I kind of think about like the pros outweighing the cons often and the service that I'm offering or what I'm bringing to the table and making sure that everything that I'm bringing to the table really truly does have a purpose. But I'm curious to to kind of hear from you about where you fall in that spectrum of showing up and being comfortable showing up. Yeah, it's a great question because it's such a weird concept. You know what I mean? Like, let alone being vulnerable with like your family or your friends, or your partner is a scary thing. Like imagine doing it to thousands of people you've never met before. And I yeah. think I actually think that everything we've gone through in the past six months has given me a new definition of like permission to feel that way, I think, and to like be a little bit more open. And I think it's because we were collectively going through something and still are. And I have to be honest, like it's something that I'm still working on a lot in terms of just um, sharing my own story and my own experiences. And I think that's honestly why I started the podcast, because it feels a little bit more unfiltered to me. Um, I'm not really someone that like can wrap my brain around like telling a story in an Instagram caption. So I think the podcast has been a really good outlet for me and I'm sure for you too, like to just be able to like talk our feelings out and talk with other people and like share the space. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think for anybody that's like on social and we can all relate to the idea that like being vulnerable on there is, is a challenge. But I will also say that like if you cultivate a community of amazing people in, in your Instagram and social community, like you will be rewarded for it in the sense that like, I think you'd be surprised at how many people will come back to you and be like, wow, I feel that way too. And isn't that like the best part of being on social media in any and every way. It's like when people come back to you and say like, wow, what you just did makes me feel validated. Like I feel seen by that. Like I thought I was alone in that. And I think that's the reward that you get when you open up to people. Yeah, definitely. In reference to what you were saying about like everyone's going through the same thing right now, we're seeing inside of everyone's homes, whether you're Oprah and Gail King is in like your guest house, or it's like me sitting in my fourth floor walk up in the Upper East Side. And it's like, certainly bringing a more humanizing side to what we may have concepted things to be for certain individuals at one point or another. I also think a point to make about what you mentioned was that when you're cultivating a community and you're consciously thinking about the content that you're putting into the world, you're also like really being smart and inclusive about the people that are on the other side of the swipe, so to speak, right? Like yes. we have the opportunity to teach people how to treat us, even if they don't know us and how to frame those conversations so that the ones that are happening in your community bubble, so to speak, are ones that you want to take part of. 100%. Yeah. Okay. I love what you just said about like, you're, you're teaching people how 
how to treat people online. And it's it's a scary place sometimes. And I think um, it's like a really, really important responsibility uh, in terms of just um, being open on on social and getting it out there. And I also think because to an extent, um, we've gotten used to it, right? Like we've gotten used yeah. to being in a place where there's people that are kind of checking in on what's going on in life. And to that, like the other day, someone messaged me and they were like, I really think it's awesome how like authentic you are and vulnerable you are. And I wish that I could learn how to be that way. And it's crazy because I can't pinpoint and I'd be curious to know if you can like a moment where I was like, this is exactly how I'm going to show up online. And this is it. Like, this is just who I am. So for someone to reach out for tips or to gain a better understanding, it's like, I want to offer to you, but I also have to take a step back and reflect about my personal journey and think, where was there a time or a point where I just made the conscious decision? This is how I'm going to show up. And that's it. Exactly. So you make the transition and you come to New York and it's definitely different than LA, but how long into your stint here do you think to yourself like, man, this is, this is the joint? Oh God. I hate and love this question. I I feel like I had so many different waves of New York. I think my college years were obviously amazing, but also challenging. Like going to college in Manhattan is the craziest experience of all time. You're automatically thrown into adulthood and you're really just taking classes at night. And that's the way I treated it. You know, I was working, I had internships my entire college career and I would hit class every night around six, seven o'clock. And it was, it was a really crazy experience. I think I really started to hit my stride once I launched Friend of a Friend in 2015, which at the time was a blog, um, we were like really in the peak of like the blog personality blogger area era. And I wanted to kind of like flip it on its head a little bit. I call it a blog because I feel like it's just kind of like the easiest thing to describe it at this point. But really, it was like a contributor network. Like I wasn't really writing firsthand. I had friends in college that were coming on and writing about like new restaurants or new travel destinations they had tried. Um, and it really was just like a place where college students could find something different in in our community. But I think after that was when I really started to plant my feet in the ground a little bit more in New York. And I give this advice for like anybody that's moving to either like a big city for the first time or moving to college and like feel like they're going to get lost. Get involved in as much as you possibly can in your school. I know that sounds lame to some extent sometimes, especially when people are like, you think I should join a sorority or a frat at NYU? And I'm like, honestly, finding community in these new places is what's going to change your life. And once I had like found that community through my blog, and I also was the creative director of like the NYU fashion magazine, those two communities like really gave me a firm ground to stand on. And I knew that I had a community of people around me that were like-minded and would challenge me and support me at the same time. So I think that's when I really started to be like, oh, wow, like this is the place for me. Um, And, you know, with like a new site and a new kind of job, there were new opportunities and I was getting to experience a lot more. I was getting invited to more things. I was meeting more people. And all of that was really exciting for like a 20 something year old in New York. Yeah. So then chat me through the evolution of friend of a friend from when it was just some people, you know, giving pointers and stuff on this blog, as you call it, to growing into something a little bit bigger. Yeah, I think I'm I I want I can't stress this enough. If you're on social media or you start something at a young age, because we are at a time where like everything's at our fingertips and anybody could start anything at any time it's okay to evolve and it's okay to change. And I think that that's something that like isn't really talked about enough often. You know, I had started this website when I was 20 and um, essentially, obviously I was saying earlier, it's it was a blend of reviews and places and destinations to go to. And then there was another side of the website where I was interviewing people that I thought were up and comers. And I've always just had kind of like an instinctual like eye and ear for that. Um, I was always really interested in people that I thought were doing something cool and I had a feeling we're going to, continue to do something cool in time. So, you know, at the time I'd interviewed people like Sophia Ritchie and Simi Hayes, who are in- incredible DJs and Gigi Hadid was on there. And I just was interviewing people that I kind of like knew through like an arm's reach. And I thought we we're just doing something really fun and interesting at the time. And that ended up being the hit of the website. And like all those people were just kind of starting their careers out at the time. So I was like, oh, people are really interested in learning about other people and learning about career trajectories and understanding kind of like, you know, what goes on behind the scenes of all of these things. 
So as I got older, I, I evolved and kind of so did the company where I was, you know, not really passionate about the blog side of it anymore. And then the podcast industry started booming. And I was like, what if I take the best thing, the best thing that kind of feeds my soul and also is like feeding my audience's soul and turn it into a podcast and I'll interview people and it, you know, I'll have someone on every week and we'll talk about the ups and downs of building something. And, um, that was kind of, that was kind of the thought process behind getting to where I am now. But I like love telling that story because I think it's just so important to reiterate that like, it's not always what you start is not always going to be like the thing that sticks forever. And like, it's not going to be the thing that, um, that defines you or who you are. And like, being able to like identify what's working and what's not and like evolve and grow from there is like the best thing that you can possibly do when you've started something. This makes me think of what Jesse Israel talks about. And I know you recently had him on the show as well. I did. And like we had such a great time talking because our stories are so similar in that sense. Um, I, I love what he had to say about just, you know, just evolving. Totally. I mean, he was so stressed about what he was putting in his Instagram bio that he was afraid to make a change because he was worried that people at first would judge him. But when he was right. able to make that change and just embrace the pivot, he was able to find so much more clarity and happiness and like totally. stave off and rid so much anxiety. And and how awesome and beautiful is that? It's really cool. I, you know, I, I think I saw something the other day that I see often, but it's like, your life on the outside is nowhere near as important as it feels on the inside. And I think that that needs to be thought about in every single part of your life. And, you know, if it doesn't feel good, if it's not working for you, like you're the one that has to live with that decision and live with that choice. So make sure it's what you're really passionate about and what you're excited about. So that when you show up for it every day, it, it, it makes you happy and you, you want to make it better. And you want to make it better. So you mentioned originally upon coming to New York that you had that internship at Teen Vogue in terms of working, quote unquote, for someone else. Did you have any other stints while you were at NYU? Yes. And, you know, I would still love to work for somebody else. I would be honored to work for somebody else. I think and I'll go back to kind of what I was saying earlier. We're in a time where like everybody can kind of start anything. We have so many resources at our hands. But if you're a college student, get a couple of jobs first, like get the experience of like what it's like to understand processes and like be in an office and be a manager or be managed. Like all of that dramatically changed my career and my mentality and the way that I work. Um, but after I, I was at Teen Vogue, I was at Hermes for a little bit. I did PR. I worked for Ryan Seacrest in entertainment writing. Um, I worked for Glossier in like their retail development and like influencer strategy and then I was at Spring, which was the startup app, like the shopping app. It was basically a mar marketplace where you could buy from a bunch of different places in one app. Um, and I, I was like head of their like influencer marketing too. That was like what I did right when I got out of college. Um, so I like really dabbled around. I was like, I want to try all of these things. I want to see what fits. I think the most important thing about interning is like you're not going in there to figure out what it is that you do like. You're going in there to figure it out what it is that you absolutely hate so that you never do it again. Right, right. And I love, like you said, like you were dabbling in so many different things. When it came to securing these opportunities, did you have to kind of reframe the way that you were approaching each of them and like pivot a little bit in terms of your resume? Or how did that all happen? Ooh, that's so interesting. I actually never thought about that particularly. I think what did help me in like grounding that was what I was studying in college at the same time as you know, what I was trying to do as like my extracurricular. Um, there was always a through line of storytelling though. So I was able to kind of, you know, build my resume around that. And I think that's also really important, like figure out what the through line is. Um, whether it was like at Teen Vogue and entertainment and fashion, um, you know, PR is all about storytelling. So I was doing that. And then for Ryan, I was writing entertainment stories based off like pop, pop culture news, kind of like e-news. Um, there was just always a like grounding force that I think is really important. I think a lot of people don't go into it being like, I'm going to try 6,000 really, really different things. You kind of have to have a similar theme to make it all work. 
Right. You mentioned getting that Teen Vogue internship before even showing up. And I reflect on my different internships that I had because I majored in journalism at UConn. And it was like when I got my first internship, it was really all about persistence. It's not that I wasn't qualified, but like how many people are qualified that are reaching out to all the people that you're also reaching out to? And in that effort, what are you going to do to make yourself stand out? I think I was just persistent. And in that persistence, I kept reiterating what all of my best attributes were and why they just couldn't go on without me. Yeah, I think two things. One, the Teen Vogue internship, I actually, I will say I totally got lucky. I had a friend whose friend was heading up entertainment there and she was desperate for an intern. And she asked me on the spot. She was, you know, I, I was having a conversation with her about what I wanted to do and, and what my goals were. And she was like, my friend actually just told me she's looking for an internship. Do you want me to pass your resume? And before even asking what department it was in, what it would be for, I said, yes, immediately. I said, I will go to the office tomorrow and take an interview. I think just that, that persistence, you're right, but also just that like conviction in myself and knowing that like, no matter what it was, getting my foot in the door there would be imperative to my career. I knew I always wanted to work in the fashion closet at Teen Vogue. That was a dream of mine. And honestly, something that when I got into school there, I was like, your goal is to, as a senior, work in the fashion closet at Teen Vogue and then be able to get a full-time job there. Like that was my manifestation. And so when I got this op- the opportunity, I was like, just take whatever it is, show them how good you are, work your ass off, do everything they say. And I bet you after your first term, you could ask to move to the closet and fingers crossed you'd get it. And that's exactly what happened. So I was working my dream job my second semester as a freshman in college. And that was just because I took I what I took whatever came my way. And I'm so grateful to Team Vogue because they took a chance on me. But, you know, you're not always going to have the internship of your dreams. You have to do a couple of them to get to where you want to be. I also think, I mean, a valuable sentiment in that is just the willingness to go after what it is that you want and be okay with the possibility of being told no. Yes. Some people are just scared to be told no, and so they don't go for it at all, you know? Totally. Totally. Okay. So we're at NYU, and we're an entrepreneur already, and we haven't even graduated yet. We're doing so many things. (gasps) Yes. What was I thinking? (laughs) Were you overwhelmed? I think I was so excited about all of it that I didn't ever really feel the chance to be overwhelmed. I really like looking back on it, like, yes, it was crazy, but I was just so grateful to be doing it and so excited about all the opportunities that were being thrown my way um, that I just don't think I ever was like fully like, oh my God, this is too much. I also, I'm not going to lie. Like I was very strategic with my college courses. Like I took a ton in the beginning. I did summer school so that my last year and a half I was basically part-time in school because I was able to do that and then also work on my company at the same time and work and go and like take every opportunity that was thrown at me. So, you know, I was really diligent. I was kind of a nerd, like not looking back and talking about it now. Like I just was really, really excited about being there and I wanted to just take every possible, take advantage of it. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsor, you can. Whether you are an athlete and you're concerned about managing your fitness or you just need healthy, efficient calories to get you through your day, you can can be your energy solution. Now, let me tell you about UCAN. Basically, in the mix, literally, they have a patented ingredient called Superstarch. And Superstarch has this ability to provide a steady release of energy without spiking blood sugar levels. So think about this. If you're on a long run, you're feeling a little zonked, take a you can energy product and it can help you last longer in your training and also ideal here keep hunger in check without compromising your health i have been personally leaning in to the lemon energy powder and also their salted peanut butter bars on my longest bicycle rides i just shake it up with ice cold water and it's like a treat same with the bars. I feel like it is like the part of my ride that I get to look forward to when I get this reward for all of my hard effort. And I also love that it doesn't have that chalky aftertaste you get with a lot of other products. Especially right now, none of us are really racing. It's the perfect time to try something new and I cannot recommend you can enough. 
Learn more at youcan.co. That is uca.co. And save 20% off your order with the code HURDLE. Again, head on over to youcan.co and save 20% off your order today with the code HURDLE at checkout. Talk to me about what happens after graduation. Yeah, you know, I don't talk about this often. And I did a Q&A on my Instagram a little while ago. And so many people asked me that question. And I think people think that because I had friend of a friend, I just kind of left school and went gung-ho with it. But graduating school, especially now, is a really terrifying time. And I was obviously comfortable in the sense that I had my company and I knew that I could keep doing it on my own. And I knew that that could be my full-time job. But I also was kind of like, Olivia, you should get a full-time job. Your company can come second. Like it's important for you to be in a really, in a, in a uh, legitimate working experience and um, see what that feels like and learn as much as you can. So I, I worked at Spring. I got offered the job right before I graduated to head up their influencer and like activation marketing. So for my first year out of school, I took that job and I was there for a year and I did a ton of events for Spring. I was doing a ton of collaborations for them, a lot of like influencer marketing moments. And honestly, I'm so glad that I did it. I don't regret it at all because it let me see the back end of what I would do in the future. And um, it was a really rewarding experience. And, you know, after school, I for anybody graduating right now, like I or that did just graduate, like I'm sending you a lot of love because it's a really tough job market out there. But um, I think what Emily and I were talking about earlier and like take what you can get, work your ass off and just get some experience like it is. That is the best thing that I think you could do right now. I have a random question here, and that's how are you monetizing friend of a friend? I was a cat of nine. I'm a, I'm a cat of nine lives when it comes to this work. I think I was doing uh, I was doing some Instagram work for sure. I remember my first paid ad was one for Coach, and they're still a big partner of mine today, and I love them. And same with Tori Birch. I work with both of those brands very closely, and I'm I have so much gratitude for the brands that believed in me from the start. I was doing a lot of like editorial shoots, whether it was like with people we were feature- featuring or just ones that would go on the site and we would do a lot of paid product placement um, and then editorial write-ups. So like places would pay us to write about them. We would have to vet them first, of course. Like I would personally go and make sure that it was something I even liked before we would take the project. But, you know, it was a, it was um, like a standard kind of editorial monetization of the website. Um, we were running like banner ads at some, at one point, but I didn't really love that. Um, but again, I was like 20 years old, just learning it all for the first time. And we were also in the boom of like the influencer world when it all first started. So I think I tried everything. I learned every single part and every facet of it. Um, I'm not going to lie. I didn't love all of it. It's kind of a cringy industry sometimes, but I think every industry has its cringe moments and we all have to, you know, you kind of have to learn them all. For sure. So when you stepped away then from the spring job, where does that leave you and where are we in time? We are about a year out of school. We are absolutely terrified for our life. We are saving up enough money to know that even if it wasn't enough to get me through that I would have six months of cushion. I was very vocal about this at the time because I was, you know, kind of telling the story on my Instagram about me leaving and kind of going off on my own. Going off on your own is a scary leap. And I had a lot of friends that were doing it at the same time. So I was grateful for that support system. But um, one, have your support system, do your research, like make your make sure that you are financially sound and that you are able to take that leap and that you have a little bit of cushion to make sure that you're going to be okay and have a game plan. Know exactly your revenue streams, what you're going to do on a day-to-day basis because before you know it, it's up to you to schedule your day Um, and just be ready. Just, you know, you're your own CEO at that point. Um, And, you know, you are in life, but in that point, at that point, you really are. So you have to be ready to um, go, go the full nine yards. I, at that point, I was like learning how to like schedule meetings with myself and kind of organize my day. Um, And it really paid off, but it's definitely a scary, it's a scary leap. What year is this around? This is 2017 because I graduated in 2016. Oh my goodness. So you've done like an obscene amount in the past four years. Yeah, the past four years. I mean, those that first year and a half after of transitioning to freelance, like you're really just finding your footing. And I know that that sounds like a long time, 
Um, but I think, you know, I was given a new slate. I was given like a kind of a new chance to figure out what my next move was. And um, I'll reiterate it again, that it's like so important to be okay with evolving and being okay with taking the time to just think. You don't always need to be doing something. You don't always need to be executing and showing the next thing that you're doing. It's okay to take time and think and plot your next move and do it with intent and know what your next step's going to be. And so that's what I kind of did the year after I left spring. And when I started going freelance, I was still, my monetization method was like, I was still doing a lot on Instagram and working with a lot of fashion brands. And I think that was like a big moment for me where I like solidified myself in the industry a bit more. But in the background, I was really plotting and planning what would now be friend of a friend. When you were freelancing and whatnot, I know you contribute to Forbes now, but were you kind of dabbling at all in other editorial? No, because Forbes was just such a fun opportunity for me that uh, I kind of took that took that to the 100. Um, the Forbes thing came about towards the end of my time at Spring. I was with an agency that essentially got me the opportunity to go and cover backstage for the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show in Paris for Forbes' Snapchat. They were looking for young contributors um, to kind of switch up the platform a little bit and talk more from like the lens of the millennials about like fashion and lifestyle and beauty. So I went and did that. And then they offered me a a contributor uh, contract and I've been doing it ever since. How often are you contributing there? In 2020, we're talking about zero. (laughs) Like (laughs) 2020 has just been, it's just been different. You know, I'm not going to shows. I'm not going to press previews. I'm not eating at restaurants. I'm barely wearing fashion. And my podcast has been a really big part of my life. And so again, it's another one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to take up space on that platform unless I really have something to say. But like last year, I was contributing like once or twice, um, like once once a week, pretty much. But, you know, again, I'm, I'm really intentional about the things I do. I don't want to just put them out there to just con- kind of keep it up. But I got to pick it up again because people really loved it. And I think I just want to make sure that it's the right time. Talk to me about what happens when the friend of a friend podcast really becomes like a solidified idea. What does that evolution look like? Yeah, I think, you know, it's funny. I had so many friends that were like chirping in my ear about starting a podcast for a really long time. So it was like in my brain for a while. I had been a big part of my career when I was, um, you know, between spring and kind of getting out and freelancing was uh, hosting and moderating panels. And it's still one of my biggest passions today. I have so much fun doing it. I think I feel really natural on stage, obviously, from my childhood. And I love interviewing and I love journalism. And I love that like in-person aspect audience. Like my dream one day would be to have a talk show like that. So those like in-person moments were really, really fun for me. And I it would there was some, something special about it that wasn't being captured in like when I would write for Forbes or if I was doing something on Instagram. Um, so, you know, I was trying to find what that right medium was. You know, it was like so deeply ingrained in me from the website and all of these things. I just couldn't really figure out what it was that would be the right way to do it. And once I was like, okay, you know what? Let's do a podcast. It took me way longer than I think I thought it would to get it together, but it really was just deep diving into the industry and, you know, really learning all these things myself. I think that's a really important characteristic of, of being an entrepreneur and wanting to be an entrepreneur is like, it's a lot of self-learning. Like I went on there and learned how to use all the apps and how to edit an episode and how to record. And like, I was literally recording out of like a little room in the wing when I first started out Um, and then editing the episodes myself and like getting them up on an RSS feed. So, you know, it was very makeshift in the beginning. And I'm really grateful that I'm now with Dear Media. They signed me onto their network and and they helped me a lot with the production of it. But um, I'm also really grateful for that like beginning experience of like learning how to get it all together because now I can kind of jump in there and help fix things whenever I need to. And I know exactly what's going on with like every facet of my business, which I think is really important for young people right now that are starting businesses and might be taking on extra help, like still learn what they're doing and still understand um, everything that goes into making the finished product because it's your name that's on it. 
What was the most overwhelming part at first, aside from just concepting, like even that initial intro, I feel like I, for sure, between seasons, definitely took so much time to really home in on what was my mission. And now that's exactly why I say it at the beginning of every single episode. So what was the most difficult part for you? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a talker. Like I could interview somebody for two hours. There was a, there's a saying that you're told when you're learning journalism and you want to be a journalist, it's called, you have to learn how to kill your darlings. And I know that sounds really scary and horrible, but um, it's really true when you are a journalist and you want to be storytelling. There are things that you're going to love in an interview and you're going to want to ask and put out there in the world, but they just might not fit in your story. Um, so learning how to kind of kill my darlings and edit down a little bit and get it to a point where it's a cohesive story that I know my audience will love. I think that's been my biggest challenge is um, really, really getting the audio to a point where like I'm telling a a cohesive story and it's engaging. You know, you have to with these things, you have to captivate an audience for 45 minutes. It's a a scary feat. Um, And a lot goes into it mentally, audibly um, and, you know, and writing wise. So I think that's been my biggest hurdle right now in this moment obviously you've had to you've had to make a lot of pivots this year and you mentioned that it was good that you had the experience in all of the different parts of podcast production I'm sure that's probably also come into the swing of things a little bit this year as well right oh yeah (laughs) talk to me about some of the challenges that have come hand in hand with 2020 for you yeah, I think obviously I would be remiss to say if not the biggest challenge is my location um, that, you know, New York became a very integral part of my being. And I don't think I ever realized how much I tied it to my identity. Um, so th- I think that in, in just in and of itself, not being constantly at the epicenter of things um, and inspired by the things going on around me. But I think that goes on that that goes to say for so many places in the world right now, like even L.A. is not the same in terms of the way that like. I'm feeling inspired by things. Um, I think that the biggest pivot, obviously, is recording these episodes from home. Like my bread and butter is being able to sit in a room with someone and like exchange energy. And that's where like the gold of the interviews come out. I had just signed with Dear Media in January of this year, and we were in a studio for like the first two and a half months. And it was so much fun to just have that that space to be able to um, flex my journalism muscles and really feel like I was on my path. Um, so to have that kind of like flipped on its head, literally like three months in was pretty jarring. Um, but you know, it's been so much fun to record from home. I figured out how to do it all. I have a whole setup in my dining room and it's kind of this like fun joke in my house that it's like my like fake little glam room. Um, Mm -hmm. but I also, I, in, in thinking about the theme of my show and the goal of it, which is to kind of like take entrepreneurs or people that are making big moves off the pedestal and really talk about what it's like to build something personally and professionally. There's nothing that's been more rewarding in that experience than like hearing their kids in the background or like hearing their dog and seeing their husbands or significant others walk in the room and seeing what their living rooms look like or their office. Like it's been such like a humanizing thing that I think just added this whole other aspect to the show that I'm that was like that felt at first like a negative, but it's really been a positive and I'm really grateful for it. I can't even imagine just that swap of events. It was like January kickstarted with being such a big moment for you. It's like this big idea that you had and now you have to your media and it's this big partnership and you're in the studio and then all of a sudden it's like, and we're out. Yeah, I kind of was like, wow. But you know what? Two things. One, There are way worse things going on in the past six months. So my little studio mix up and and all of that, like I constantly look at the perspective of it all. I'm healthy. My family's healthy. My close friends are healthy and you're healthy. And that's like what my focus is. But yeah, I mean, too, it's like it's just I think it's added a whole new dimension for us and a whole new challenge um, to, you know, bring the show from home. So I'm I'm grateful for the challenge. What excites you right now? What's exciting me is the amount of people that I am seeing that are so dedicated to getting the word out there to vote. That to me is just like, I'm so like invigorated by it and excited by it. I can't tell you how many um, brands or partners reach out to me and be like, what can we do with you to get it out there? Like, what can we do with our partners? What can we do with our, within our orbit to make a difference? Um, 
you know, even if it's like something like I posted something yesterday about being able to sign up to be a poll worker. Like it has just been so exciting for me to see all these people be really passionate about just getting people out there to vote. Um, so I'm excited about that. I'm hoping that we defy the odds in November. And if you're listening right now, please register to vote. Please do it. I support <laughs> it. Um, aside from that, I mean, you're still in LA, but do you have any other uh, road trip plans or anything coming up, coming into the fall? Oh my God, that road trip was like a once in a lifetime magical experience. I think I need to let <laughs> that sit in my my soul for a little bit and like fully digest it. Um, I am really excited to be on the West Coast to like re-explore kind of my hometown. Um, I hope to like maybe drive up to Montana and Wyoming. I love it up there. I love Jackson Hole. Um, explore maybe a little bit of like Portland. There's so much on the side that I haven't really explored because I haven't lived here since I was 17. So I'm excited for the new chapter and who knows, I'll let you know when the next road trip happens and you guys can <laughs> find the content on the gram. What would you say uh, going back to kind of your career journey and getting to this point where I know so well, just being your own boss and kind of running after it day in and day out, what would you say on this journey for you has been one of the biggest hurdles? Keeping your blinders on. It was the best piece of advice I've ever been given personally and professionally. I think I had to like train myself to just focus on me and myself and my business. And I think that's really hard when you're like a young, actually at any age, like we are inundated with so much content and information 24 seven that it's so easy to get distracted or feel defeated or feel like you're not doing enough because this person's doing this and compare yourself. And I know that sounds really cheesy. Like we don't want to compare ourselves. And you know what? Comparing is instinctual. We're all going to do it. But at least try and put your blinders on and be like, okay, you know what? I know what that person did. I'm going to compare for a second, but I'm just going to put the blinders back on and focus on me and my work and doing what I need to do to make it work. And I think I've like faced that in so many different challenges, whether it was like, you know, there's a whole period of time where people were like, oh, she's just an influencer. And I'm like, I literally do a thousand other things, but you know what? If that makes you feel good, go for it. I'm going to put my blinders back on and keep doing my work. Or if it was like, you know, afraid of pivoting and evolving. I think having your blinders on and just thinking about like, and just kind of working from your heart and not what other people are telling you or showing you is so crucial to, to, you know, building something that you really love and that you're excited about. I never talk about this, but I feel like you're totally going to relate to it. So I'm going to throw it into the the mix right now Um, because you just said like throwing your blinders on and then this feedback of like, she's only an influencer. And I think that's something that I have been really defensive about when it comes to dating. I never talk about this Um, has been, (laughs) has been like that initial perception of whoever might be on the other side of the phone that, you know, I'm getting to know and their perception might be like, oh, she's so, she's all over social media. She's doing this thing. She's doing whatever. And it's like exactly for me, it's always exactly what you said. It's like, I do so much stuff that if that's going to be your takeaway that I'm a public person, then that's the wrong effing takeaway. Yeah. I think we're so, we've been trained as a society to be able to look at a first glance of somebody and come to conclusions on ourselves. I do this all the time. And guys, if you're listening, don't lie to me and tell me you don't do it. If everyone's like, you're going to a meeting with this person or you're going on a date with this person, what's the first thing we all do? Google them. Instagram, like check them out. Like we do all these things that allow us to create a preconceived notion of this person before we even get to meet them. And listen, Googling someone before you meeting them is obviously really important. Like you don't want to get into a situation that could be dangerous. I really believe in and checking in all that, especially if you're going in for a date, like I believe that that's important, but like keep your thoughts aside and let a person show you who they are before you're allowed to pass judgment on them. What would you say in 2020 has been the biggest lesson for you? I would say that it's okay to change your mind. That has been my mantra for the past couple of weeks now. Um, in so many ways, one in changing location. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to have a new life. It's okay to, for a new setup. Like it's, it's, it's okay. But two, I think in the fact that in the past two months since the murder of George Floyd and everything going on on the internet and all the new knowledge that we're being given and learning, 
um, and the way that we're kind of changing our mindset. Like, I think a lot of people are kind of getting stuck in their, in their opinions and it's okay to learn something new and it's okay to change your mind. Um, I think that's something that I've been applying to kind of every corner of my life. It's okay to change. It's okay to evolve and pivot. And that's a really beautiful thing. When someone goes to your Instagram page, they see that you have 165,000 followers. They see that you're the host of a podcast. You're a Forbes contributor. We haven't even talked of system of service. I need to oh my do gosh. this before we get out of here. We yes, will. Go we ahead. Will. Don't worry. And they see like, oh, look how cute you are with this bicycle. It's so good. <laughs> she's anyway, literally go- <laughs> talking about an Instagram post that I put up five minutes before this interview. So I she's just- on my Instagram <laughs> right now. I'm looking right now. So they see all this great content. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see? Oh my God, like a five-year-old child. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. What is it that I see? I, you know, I see like I'm 26. In the past six years, I've pivoted so many different times. Like I'm constantly thinking about possibilities and changes and ways that I can um further be an extension for change and helping people and storytelling. And for me, like I always have always thought about myself as like a vessel. I like to call my podcast a school because everybody that comes on is a teacher and we're teaching something different every week. And I always want to be that for people. I want to be a place where people can learn and um, have opportunities and, and realize the possibilities of their own life through the fact that they're learning through the, through the idea that they're learning about something new on the show and via me every day. Um, so yeah, I just kind of want to be like, I'm, I'm a school. (laughs) (laughs) I I know that sounds really weird, but like, that's just the way that I've, I've trained myself to look at my content and my podcast and the way that I want to give back to my community. Work in progress. Completely. I'm a work in progress. I dig it. I am a school under construction guys. (laughs) (laughs) We're building it. We're building the school. Yes. Okay. So before we start to wrap up here, just give me the lowdown on system of service because I think it's so, so important. Guys, if you're in the system of service community and you're listening right now, we miss you so much. Um, System of service was started with me and Joe Holder um, in 2017, right after the election. We had thought a lot about Um, you know, the power of like social media and how people have been giving back and really getting invested in their communities. And we kind of wanted to flip that on its head and be like, well, if you can donate $20 on social media, like why can't you get out there and do something in your own backyard? So we've partnered with amazing organizations in New York, um, whether it's for Souls for Souls, the Bowery Mission, um, we replanted a garden in Brooklyn and all of these things that just take like an hour or two out of your day to make a difference in a community. Um, we really wanted to destigmatize the idea that like service is like kind of an overwhelming or um, intimidating thing. And we would just invite our friends and our extended community out um, once a month to to physically give back and kind of see what it's like in different communities in, in our own extended community. Um, and that was really the power of it. So obviously right now, because of COVID, we are like rethinking and reimagining what that looks like. But stay tuned because we have some exciting news coming soon. I was going to ask you how, if someone is listening to this and they want to get involved, what can they do to get involved? Well, you can follow Joe and I. Joe is at Ocho System and I'm at Liv Perez with two Vs. And you can follow us on Instagram. It's at System of Service. Um, anytime we have an event or an update, all the information is there. Perfect. Okay. The final question. You have an opportunity right now, Liv, to offer yourself a piece of advice when you are, let's say, fresh out of college and scared and unsure about what's exactly going to be the quote unquote right path. You have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice during that hurdle moment right now. What do you tell yourself? You don't have to answer the question right now. Like, I think I felt really rushed when I got out of school and I felt like I needed a game plan and I felt like people were labeling me and putting me in a box. And I felt really rushed to, you know, get to that point where I'm like, oh, I know what my job is. Oh, like, I'm excited about my path. And like, we talked about this earlier. It's okay to take your time to figure it out. And I think that's something that a lot of people get go through when they get out of school. It's a very indecisive time and it's a time of a lot of unknowns and it's okay. Embrace that. Like embrace the time of the unknown. Embrace the time of silence. Like after that time is when all the best things come. But when you rush through it because you're like afraid of the pressure, you're not going to really get to the heart of what it is that you want to accomplish. 
if someone has never listened to Friend of a Friend before and they want to tune in after falling in love with you on this podcast, oh, where you. should they start? Um, well, we're on all the platforms, so Spotify, Apple, etc. Um, it's linked in the bio of my Instagram. We did an episode in January with Maggie Rogers. She is an all-time favorite person of mine. I love her dearly. We went to NYU together. And just hearing her story through her lens um, was a really beautiful experience. Um, and then I would jump into any of the Joe episodes. He's my best friend. And so you get to learn a little bit about us from a really unfiltered lens. He's also a brilliant genius. So you're definitely going to learn something new about the body in that. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd say those two. Those two are pretty good ones to jump in. Oh, also, we're going to keep it really in the family, but Kirsty Godso is on the show and she's also a good friend of mine. <laughs> and she's also one of Joe's best friends. Um, but she had a great episode too. I, I think the episodes that shine for me are the ones when I get to bring my friends on and really let them shine. So um, I'm going to plug all of them right now. I dig it. So many mutual hurdlers in the house. I know. Here. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's why I love the podcast industry. It's like a big archive for all of us to look back on in like 10 years from now. I love that. Okay. Well, thank you so much for today. This was oh so Oh my fun. God. This was so awesome. I love your show. I'm so grateful to be on here. Thank you for having me and for all the work that you do for everybody who's going through a hurdle. Please take a moment and leave a quick review by clicking the link with the description to this episode. We all face multiple hurdles in life. I want to hear about yours. Reach out to me at emily at hurdle.us. Connect with the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at hurdle podcast. Olivia, how do they keep up with you? Give me the details. You can follow me on Instagram at Liv Perez with two V's in there. And then all of our episodes are also housed on friendofafriend.us. So you can follow us there too. You're a .us too. Yeah, you know, .coms are overrated and expensive. Oh, so expensive, so overrated. Like, just so overrated. You guys can just type US. It's us, you know? It's us. It's you and me. Thank you so much for your time. I'm so grateful for you. I am at Emily Abadi at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>